Today on CityCast Philly, crimes against the elderly are on the rise. That's according to Pennsylvania state courts. I'm speaking with some folks in the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office about how they are helping and keeping people safe. It's Wednesday, August 16th. I'm Trinina Ree, and here's what Philly's talking about. Alex Blumenthal, you're the supervisor of the Elder Justice Unit in the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office. Welcome to the show. Hi, Trina. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. And Serena Eisenberg, you're the coordinator of the Philadelphia Elder Abuse Multidisciplinary Team. Thanks for being on the show as well. Thank you for having us, Trina. What kinds of crimes against the elderly are we seeing in the city? Well, of course, the elderly are susceptible to any crime that uh, an adult would be. Um, They can be the victims of street crimes just like anybody else. But they're also susceptible to particular um, kinds of crime. And what we see a lot of it, what we specialize in are uh, scams and frauds, uh, things like deed theft or construction fraud or scams like sweepstakes scams, what we call the grandparent scam, things like that. And then, of course, for older adults who um, have needs uh, that they can't always take care of themselves or they need help taking care of themselves, they're susceptible to um, caregiver abuse, caregiver fraud. And they're also uh, susceptible, unfortunately, to domestic violence and not how we usually think of it between two romantic partners, but often being assaulted by their children or grandchildren or younger relatives, things like that. So that's what we see a lot of. And that's what my unit specializes in. So the DA's office recently charged three people for financially exploiting seniors. How did this investigation happen? We have, I think, two cases you're probably referring to. One where there was a construction fraud back in 2019. And essentially, uh, an older adult paid for very extensive home repairs. I think it was, speaking from memory, but about $150,000 worth and really got almost nothing. Uh, So he reported that to the Philadelphia police and the assigned detective conducted a very thorough investigation and identified one of the suspects. Unfortunately, this man had fled to the UK and had to be extradited. What we see a lot in scams and home improvement scams is somebody who approaches you about home improvement. The crew that was involved here sort of lingered outside the older adult store and really pressured him until... They kind of forced slash were allowed to examine his house. And then, of course, they found very extensive repairs were needed. And this man did need some repairs, which was part of it. But they just found more and more and more work to be done. So first it was the roof being fixed and then beams being repaired. And then, as I said, about $150,000 in down payments later, uh, they completed almost none of the work and left. May I add something? So I think another way that they took advantage is that they said the majority of the issues with the house were on the roof. And because the man had some physical limitations and wasn't able to get on the roof or even to see the roof, he had to take their word for it. Right. How common are these types of crimes? These types of scams are very common. It's very hard to say how often they're reported to the police or law enforcement. I think some people regard them as either consumer issues or or a civil um, issue, and they don't get reported. So we do have some stats, but they're more in general. 
I guess what I can say is in my own experience, the construction frauds and other kinds of fraud are pretty common. It's not everywhere. It's not pervasive. It's committed by people who have sort of a plan and know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think they're becoming more common, unfortunately. Now, I read in uh, a press release from your office that you mentioned that it's often family members who prey on the elderly as well. Serena, can you kind of break this down for us? Why does this happen? So it is believed that 80% of financial fraud against older adults is perpetuated by family members or what are sometimes called known others. And this is really because those are who the person trusts. And so it's much easier to work your way into someone's life if you have a history with them or if you're already in the house. And it often starts small. So it might be that a person um, says, hey, I'll, I'll do your groceries for you since it's difficult for you to get out. And the older adult hands over their credit card and this person does their groceries. And then right, I see. that might turn into buying other things. And sooner or later, the older adult looks at their bill. Yeah, their bank statements. Yeah. yeah, their bank statement and realize it's just three times the amount that it used to be. We have one case where the quote unquote caregiver, who was a, a neighbor who had just started offering to do various household chores, said, you know, my son is going to prom. I'd really like to get him a tux. Is it something you can help out with? And appealed to this woman's generous nature, who was happy to see her son and get those photos of him in the tux. But then that also then expanded to Victoria's Secret or to trips to Memphis when the woman was housebound. Things that clearly had nothing to do with the caregiving aspect. And just because this woman had said yes to a few things didn't necessarily entitle that person with the credit card to use it for anything they wanted. Totally understand. What is your office doing to try to crack down on these financial scams? I think a lot of what we're doing is for the older adults is something Serena specializes in, and that's really making it as easy as possible for them to cope with what is a very difficult process in the criminal justice system. And for anybody, it's hard to go to court, and it's hard, especially as we were talking about, to testify against someone you have a relationship with. Right, it's emotional. Yep. Um, very, you, you, they broke the trust. Very much. And the other aspect of it is DA Krasner and First Assistant Carolyn Temin really taking the time to set up this specialized unit. The DA's office and the court system in general deals with a tremendous amount of cases. And if you don't pay special attention to these more complex financial frauds, they can fall through the cracks or you don't get the best result you want. But they've set up this unit so that we can take the time and explore them fully and get gather all the supporting evidence we, we need, work with our partners, work with the Philadelphia police so that we really understand the case and can do any additional investigation that's needed and then reach a, a practical conclusion, something that the older adult wants and something that's just and fair for the city and fair for the defendant as well. Alex and Serena, we've talked about financial crimes. Are there other types of crimes that are experienced by older Philadelphians that come across your desk? The saddest ones are really, I find, and the ones I find the hardest to 
I guess just litigate are the ones where uh, a child or a grandchild has attacked their parent. And these are almost always cases where the defendant has mental health issues or has drug abuse problems or often both. And as you can imagine, most parents are very reluctant to involve the police. And usually police are called after. It's not the first time, it's not the second time, and it's not the third time. Uh, But it's something that really needs to be prosecuted very carefully because, of course, if you are advocating for too harsh a penalty, you're going to lose the parent because they want their child to get help. Uh, So that's one other case that those are always invariably sad. And you'll also see, I think, uh, robberies of older people. Of course, when older adults are walking the streets, I think some people view them as more vulnerable, less able to chase after them or resist. Although I will say that is not always the case. And so what we we try to do is stitch the crimes together when we see a pattern of somebody targeting the elderly, make sure they're prosecuted together, make sure the person is held accountable for all of those crimes at once. And there's also um, caregiver abuse, you know, whether that be a professional or a family caregiver or anybody who's either deliberately or negligently neglecting the victim or abusing them, just like any domestic abuse case. And those cases are also very difficult because they're often, I think maybe the term is in the dark, where only the the caregiver and victim really know the story. And of course, often the victim is sometimes not competent, sometimes unable, and sometimes afraid to give full testimony. And in those cases, we've really seen that uh, neighbors, family, friends, anybody who's concerned for the victim is is just crucial. Um, and if I may add on, so one way that makes this elder justice unit different is that with our partners in the elder abuse multidisciplinary team, we have partners who are able to address some of the issues that are not able to be addressed just by going through the criminal justice system or prosecuting the case. And so, as Alex mentioned, when it's when the defendant is an adult child and the complainant doesn't want to see that child incarcerated or getting a punishment, they really just want to see them get help, we're able to refer them to our community partners who are able to really give them that type of comfort and reassurance to know that their loved one is being taken care of. And that allows us to focus on prosecuting the case and seeing the case really as a a family issue. This is really complex and it, it sounds like it gets complicated sometimes. I, I think that all the criminal cases are almost always get very complicated. But yes, anytime you have a relationship between the defendant and the victim, uh, that adds a very a real complication and another layer to it. For our listeners, I'm wondering if you both can share some advice for how to spot potential abuse or fraud. What tips or resources can you share? Yes. So I would say that a really big sign is when you see an older adult become more isolated. And if it seems like someone that is facilitating that isolation or as the older adult, if someone who's been helping you out says, you know, you really can't trust your family, that's that's what gives that perpetrator a lot more access. 
And there's a phrase, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, that that applies to all the scams and the sweepstakes. But when it it comes to someone that they know, I think it's a really, really complicated balance in terms of figuring out who to trust. And so if people that you have known most of your life are telling you to watch out for somebody, it's probably something that you want to keep in mind. So Serena and I talk a lot about how isolation is really the sort of the prime cause of a lot of these crimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I will say uh, that the people who recover the fastest, who have the most evidence for us to prosecute their case, are always the ones who have uh, a network, people who care about them and people who they uh, who are there to help them out. And this, you know, it's not it's, of course, often close family, children and siblings and nieces and nephews. Often it's your neighbors, old friends, um, somebody concerned from uh, the, the police departments or the community relations officers in the police department often see a lot of this this activity and report it to us. And this is true not just for the, the known person cases, as Serena was saying, but for the sort of random scam calls and things like that, uh, where somebody's calling you and claiming you'll get these calls. We call them the grandparent scam is, I think, the best example where somebody calls and tries to fake being a uh, older adult's grandchild, saying that they're in trouble, mm-hmm, they've been in an accident, or they've been arrested, they need money immediately. Mm-hmm. And all of these uh, scams rely on emotion and pressure and the pressure to act now and to not tell anybody. And so they're often easily defeated by just taking a minute, calling your grandchild, calling your child to see if their child is actually in a car accident or is sitting next to them at home. And even more so is even if you miss that initial opportunity to reach out for help, the refusal to, I think, be embarrassed by being scammed or exploited or abused is very important because a lot of the abusers and perpetrators rely on that embarrassment to continue and to expand it and to get more money say, is this too good to be true? Communicate about it and don't let the embarrassment work to the, the perpetrator's advantage. Yeah. And it's, it's, never, it's never the victim's fault. And so we are not here to blame you. We are just here to help. All right. That was Alex Blumenthal, supervisor of the Elder Justice Unit in the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, and Serena Eisenberg, coordinator of the Philadelphia Elder Abuse Multidisciplinary Team. Thank you both so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. Thank you, Trinae. Thanks, Trinae. We really appreciate it. We'll have information about how you can contact the Elder Justice Unit, along with a ton of other resources for older adults in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you found that the information in this episode was helpful for you, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter, Hey Philly, to learn more about what else Philly's talking about. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.